0: I'm Carolyn. Hi, I'm Jeremy, and we're licensed marriage and family therapists in California. And we've been friends for the past 20 years. For 10 of those years, we've been working as therapists with families, couples, and individuals.
1: And one of us has been through a divorce, a remarriage, and a blended family. Welcome to Weenus. A relationship podcast.
0: Welcome to the Weenus podcast, and this week we're going to be talking about distance in relationships, distance that is created over time, over opinions, over finances, over a bunch of different things. How does that work from the male perspective? How does it happen from the female perspective? And what are the things that we therapists tend to see that creates distance in relationships? And I think there's plenty of stuff to talk about here, Carol. And uh, I, I know that that a lot of the folks that I'm talking to have di- uh, differences in, in their relationships that are caused by a whole host of different things. And so we're just going to sit here and talk about all the things that we're kind of seeing in our practice and experiencing in our own lives. So uh, I think that just to kick this conversation off, One of the things that we can kind of start talking about here is differences in what work does to our relationships as we go through a career and take different kinds of career options and jobs that uh, can uh, really encroach on our lives. We have a different kind of workplace now where with our phones, all of our work follows us home, and it, uh, we, we might be answering emails late at night, and that sort of thing is one of the things that can really create distance in a relationship. I, I know that it's done its, uh, its toll in my relationship. Are you kind of seeing this sort of thing on your side of the fence? Yeah, I was, I
1: was kind of curious what your wife's view of that is. Um, I, I'll hold my, my thoughts on it until uh what what is how does sherry deal with that so you're answering the phone at 10 o'clock at night
0: i am i am i have taken a couple of jumps in my career recently that um i'm holding a position right now that uh commonly has me working outside of business hours and i i my personal view on it is that i am furthering my career and that i'm going up. I have goals for myself and so forth. And what my wife sees is that I am constantly distracted. That during conversations, when the phone rings or beeps or something like that, my eyes are always darting that direction. That's creating distance. And I see it as I have a responsibility to my family, to to build a nest egg, to build a future for us, and that these are the sacrifices that I take. And m- my wife looks at me and goes, Jeremy, pay attention to me.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're creating anxiety for me even as you're talking about this. So I think, you know, and again, so you're, you're a man, I'm a woman. We don't by any means, you know, speak for all of man or womankind. Um, I do kind of, I I can really resonate with Sherry and just the idea of, you know, here we are having a conversation, you know, and and what that means that all of a sudden you're looking at your phone or you need to step away. You know, my husband has, um, well, we have, my husband has four children, you know, so I have four stepchildren um, who are very much a part of our family. He has an ex-wife who believe it or not is actually a really big part of our family in a really lovely way. Um and, and he has the school, all of the teachers at the school, all of the children at the school, and the parents at the school. And so there's a lot of request for my husband's time. Um and he is a natural kind of overcommitter. Um if he could be coaching three different things right now and starting teaching, he would be doing all of those things. Um, And so it kind of leaves, it leaves me feeling some distance. And so anytime we are having a conversation and his watch vibrates, I know that suddenly now he's looking at that. Um, And I think that there's a very different perspective on that. I try my best not to take it personally. Um, I have a hard time with it. You know, how do you, how do you guys
0: handle that? I know that some of the things that I'm doing after hours are things that I need to be doing. Some of these things, these are phone calls that I need to be taking. Not all of them Uh and not every single text uh, is something that I need to reply to. Some of them are jokes that I think are funny and that I want to reply to. And I'm going to admit that. And I might be sitting there going, no, this is very important work business. But when I'm doing that. Oh, I hope Sherry's listening. <laughs> I know I'm bust. She knows, she knows, because she'll walk behind me and go, "Oh, Facebook, huh?" Uh, but uh, you know, it, it does become a, a a habit, and and what I what I sometimes try to do is go, "I'm expecting a specific kind of call this evening. I have to grab that one, but the rest of it, I don't really need to uh, to jump onto." And then it's just a matter of me staying disciplined on that, uh, because I mean, we all get that dopamine hit. Yeah, when so that's like, question, that's cares question. about question,
1: as, as a man, it's, it is, it's very, there is something about distance for me, like, and, and again, you know, I'm, I'm the first to admit I'm codependent, um, you know, and, and I've got my own stuff that I bring into relationships. Distance for me almost feels like threatening. It's kind of that idea of, you know, that, that idea that comes from ACT um, of of kind of our caveman brain, which is kind of still in that mode of if I was part of a tribe out, you know, on the plains somewhere, it's very important for me to have a connection to someone to be valuable in my tribe. So we're kind of constantly comparing ourselves to other people in the world. And now with social media, we can compare ourselves to everyone, which is dangerous to say the least. But in this idea, I think that there is a very kind of old part of our brains you know and again I'm not I'm not trying to speak for all women but as for myself I think there's a very old part of my brain that fears that distance like what might happen if my husband is distant from me what might happen if all of these things all of these other people kind of take precedence or need his attention and I'm left kind of sitting in the cave by myself tending the fire for how long right and so I think that that's That really is a part of that equation, um, but I think it's very different for men and women. And I think that your perspective on, I'm taking this phone call, I'm taking this text, I'm answering this thing. I think that that is actually kind of the opposite of what I'm experiencing as a partner sitting there. Um, You know, it sounds like your experience is, I'm doing this for us, I'm doing this to take care of, you know, my wife, really, like you're not thinking that, but that's kind of what it comes down to if we're thinking about that kind of very old caveman part of our brain.
0: That's a fascinating perspective. I, I really think so because I, I, I go through my day as an extrovert and and my whole day is a party and and there's this joke text going on thread going on here and it's hilarious and then there's uh the social media part and then there's the work part where i'm calling all of these different people and my mind is going in all these different directions my wife is much more of a sensitive she is much more of an introvert she doesn't like all of that stimulation and she really wants much more of a of a unique uh a connection and so that is where my, uh, my stuff is creating some distance there. And then uh, when, after, after the day is done, my head is still spinning and mm-hmm. going, you know, a thousand miles an hour. And I see that in some of my therapy sessions, particularly with, with people who have jobs that are very fast. And, and a lot of us have these very fast jobs where it just takes over and over and over constant moving and connecting and everything. And that stuff just doesn't click off at 5.30 p.m. You, you tend to bring it home and your mind is still running really fast and it's difficult to then focus and switch in, mm-hmm. in, into being invested in the relationship. And I can completely see how you um, the, the 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 female mind would go: Is he with me? Is he interested in me? Is are we together tonight? Or is he with other people tonight? Even though he's sitting right there.
1: Right, and I think that that social media, that having our phones, that all of those things make it so easy to be not present, to not be in the room. Just like something like you know alcohol or substance use. For me, like I don't like being. Around people who've been using substance, like if somebody's like if I show up to the bar or whatever to meet up with friends, even though that's the point we're going to meet at the bar let's have a couple drinks. not that we've done that in months and months and months, but you know you're gonna meet up at the bar and have a few drinks. you get there people have already had a couple drinks. I feel really left out because I feel like that connection isn't actually happening again there's some distance in that of you're using a substance, so your mind is somewhere else. It's the same thing to me personally, as you're looking at your phone, your mind is somewhere else. I don't feel like I can be honest and genuine and connected when someone can't look at me. And that's that kind of that Gottman idea of when our partners bid for our attention, which is something that they've really demonstrated, shows kind of that long-term relationships. When our partner asks for our attention, they call it a bid. When our partner asks for that attention, if we're able to give that attention to them, actually turn to them and give them our attention, that is what happens in long-term, healthy, lasting relationships. When our partners bid for our attention and we are distracted and can't give that to them, that does damage in our relationships. And so whether it's the phone, whether it's substance, whether it's the kids, you know, I, I, can't, I can't talk right now, I'm, I have to take care of the kids. You know, I think there's a lot of things that can create that distance. Um, you know, and so, so my relationship, gosh, we've been together almost six years now. You've got a much longer term relationship. How long have you guys been together?
0: 23 years.
1: 23 years. And so what have you seen? What works for you guys in terms of distance? Because I think that there is a healthy version of that, right? Like we need distance too.
0: We do need distance. And that's a really difficult question to answer because I think that we struggle to get it right. Right. Uh as a couple. And and I think a lot of people struggle with that because there is a, there's a comfortable distance that people need. And then there is the kind of distance that at a certain point begins to create loneliness in one or both. And both need to be concerned about whether the other one is experiencing some kind of loneliness. And at that point, there is a need for some kind of change and when you're talking about these longer-term relationships, these longer t- like like as you go through the stages of age in a relationship, your values change, your identity begins to kind of metamorphize, and you become an older uh, and and more experienced version of yourself. And what you like also tends to change. Your 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 need for connection changes, um, and I, I remember being a, a kid and thinking, my parents watch television on two different sides. Oh, of my parents, parents did that too. And I was like, I'm never going to be that couple.
1: Uh-huh. Um, you know,
0: you know, and now like Sherry and I sit down to watch something and I'm like, I don't want to watch what you want to
1: watch. Or <laughs> <Are> you <laughs> see that couple at the restaurant who's like reading the newspaper or something. <laughs> and I like, honestly, I used to look at them and just be like, oh, so sad. But now, right. even for us, you know, six years in, like, there is a comfort in that of like, you know, every every now and then we'll sit down and my husband will say like, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna read my phone for a little bit and I'm like, that's fine. Like, so there is that balance of any time that I say to my husband, you know, I feel lonely or I feel that there's distance, he without fail says to me, we spend so much time together. And I hear him, I get it, you know, and I think for me, it's kind of, you know, i quite literally, just as we're talking about this, realize that I am like, at home, like I've switched from going out into the world of being social and working and, and doing all the, all of those things to now that I work at home, you know, and for whatever these five months, he's been at home with me as well. And we've kind of created this life and this pattern. And so now that he's gone back out into the world, out into the wild, so to speak, and I'm kind of still here at the homestead, when he gets home, I'm very ready to connect with him and to kind of reassure that bond and to to really kind of center in that. I really look forward to that, especially in, you know, kind of the work that I do all day long. And sometimes he's just not ready for that. He gets home, you know, after a day of teaching and being in meetings and answering phone calls, just like you. He's he's talking to people all day. He's very extroverted. And when he comes home, he wants to come home and kind of shut down. Um, not all the time, but but sometimes he just wants to look at his phone or watch a basketball game or, or whatnot. And that honestly, that's been a bit of a challenge for me to get adjusted to that because I'm kind of ready to talk with him and ready for that. And he's may not be ready. And I have to remember that that is healthy, right? You know, it's okay. And I think it's very different for men. I think that there is kind of, we talked about this a long time ago about kind of this the need to shut their shut that brain down.
0: Yeah, I, I, I've 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 often had this kind of issue where, and and particularly with stay-at-home um, mothers that that have been dealing with the child world all day right. long, and now in walks another adult. And one that you care about, and he has been dealing with work stuff all day long, and he comes home, and she's just like, "Oh, thank God you're here! This happened today, and that happened today, and and you know, rightfully so. It's an understandable thing on both both uh, sides. Uh, he's flooded uh, walking mm-hmm. in, and he really does need maybe just even 20 minutes to just stand out in the garage, and and just do nothing." uh, or what have you, and then kind of come in and I'm sure, you know, I know what happens in, in the opposite direction too. Um, uh, and one thing that I've seen over a career, a couple of times is a couple that gets married that are very firmly based in a specific faith. And one, uh, part of the couple has a crisis of that faith stops believing so much for one reason or another. And depending upon the belief system, it can be a real crisis for the two. There's a lot of religions that are very strong in you're either in or you're out. And this kind of change in just life philosophy can create a real distance between two who have, who, whose relationship was built upon the idea of, you know, hi, Ella. This is this is Ella the cat. She is 18 years old. She's joining the podcast as a special guest. Um, she goes wherever she would like, and she wants to chime in this evening about how much she cares about we Yeah, thank you, Ella. Uh, so um, this difference in philosophy becomes... <laughs> <laughs>
1: just this giant cat face in my screen.
0: Oh, yeah, she loves this. She joins all of, my, all of my Zoom calls and my podcasts now. So she will be coming back and making various different guest appearances. She has but one opinion, and that is meow. Mm-hmm. Um, so this, this difference can really rattle the, the partner that, that is not having a faith crisis, if you will. Uh, and that, that change... Can make the one that remains very faithful feel like, is there anything left with us? It can can we still love each other? It is this. Per, will I see this person in heaven? And and there's all these very deep themes in this. I think this could probably be its own podcast. Uh, the the idea of leaving a religion and what does that do to a couple? And then there's the the question of what happens to the to the children, if uh, if something completely fails and you, you have a, a couple that is that is divorced one is a person of faith and one is not and then you have this kind of tension between the beliefs uh, so th- that that can be tremendously destructive if the couple can't figure out how to meet each other in the middle mm-hmm. as they as they go through this tremendous transition from one being a believer to not being
1: a believer Well, I think even especially right now, I mean, my goodness, like there is so much to talk about right now in terms of belief, whether it's religion or politics or, you know, any number of things right and wrong. You know, I've seen people have such drastic differences in opinion of what, what is good, you know, and I think that if suddenly you were to find out that your partner is strongly in the other camp or, you know, those kinds of things, it can be really shaking when you thought we've just been trucking along together and I assumed, you know, maybe you never talked about things like racism, you know, maybe you never talked about your political beliefs before and now it's kind of in our faces so much that we can't help but do it and suddenly you find out that maybe your partner has a very different opinion and and what kind of distance that can create if we aren't, built on that foundation of understanding that when we enter into a relationship, especially a marriage, that we're committing to move through these things together, Um, you know, and that there are periods where we feel more distance from one another um, and where we go through, maybe we do go through crisis, you know, crisis of faith or, or just crisis in our marriage that can feel very distancing.
0: Yeah. And just to note about that, the, 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 whole, the whole idea of how we are thinking as a people right now, there is such a, such a problem right now with, with the idea of, I am moral, and these people are stupid and evil. Oh. And, and it, it's happening in every which direction right now. And we're seeing it as a, as, as a legitimate manner of thinking. And, and that is an extremely destructive manner of thinking, but that that can seep into friendships and into the uh, co- colleague relationships, and it can be corrosive. And 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 one of the real uh, telltale signs of whether a couple can really make it is: can you can you respect each other? Can you fight fair? Right. You know, and can can you can you note these differences and make room for the other one? And and and. and and not get into this really awful idea that one side of something is totally correct and the other side is, is obviously wrong because there's there's you know two sides of that toilet uh, toilet paper spool, uh, and they're the same side. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't like sure I where there. you were
1: going with toilet. There's two yeah. sides to that toilet lid. I tried um, it.
0: It didn't work right. It didn't but work. No, yeah, we've got plenty more podcasts to do. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll write them
1: down next time. We'll get there. Yeah. So. <laughs> I think, I think what I've kind of heard lately is just this idea of, of meeting to, you know, that old idea of, like, never go to bed angry. Right. I hate that idea. I think that I would much rather go to bed disagreeing and wake up tomorrow and deal with this than stay up until four in the morning, hashing through the same, I'm right, you're wrong, you know, kind of conversation, and maybe in the morning you just say, well, I guess we just disagree on that. You know, I think that there's certain things where maybe we can't do that. You know, there's certain things where we don't, it just doesn't work in our marriage to disagree on, on this. I think there's a lot more things where, like you said, if we, if we respect, if we truly respect, and I can definitely say, my husband and I have plenty of disagreement, but I don't know that there's anyone else on the planet that I respect and honor and love more than him. And so that, that leaves me in a position where if I'm being mindful, and I'm not always that, but if I'm able to be mindful and able to, like you said, provide that room and provide that space and really come from that area of respect, you know, I think that we just, it, ha- it just kind of builds over time where we kind of stop treating each other with that respect where we forget how much we respect and love and really value this person that we married um, because just the day-to-day, chips away at that. And I, I try to wake up each morning and set that intention of, of you know, I want to have a good day today. I want to let things flow, you know, nice and easy. Some days can be pretty stressful. So how do you set that intention and how do you remind each other? You know, I, I had an old a therapist a long time ago kind of suggest the idea, and I'm sure people have heard it, the idea of having like a code word. Um, you know, when you're in an argument and you notice like, this isn't going anywhere. We need to take a break. Having that code word and it usually it's something kind of silly, like maybe it's, you know, from an old story, like something that just makes you laugh. But just having something ridiculous that you can throw out there, um, like porcupine, um, Mm -hmm. so that Mm -hmm. that kind of gets your partner's attention enough to say like, this is not worth it. Like, let's take a breather. I can't tell you how many arguments we've ended and kind of resolved and said like, we didn't need any of that. We just disagreed. Um, And I've talked with a lot of clients who are who are heading back home or heading into, you know, well, I got to go deal with this argument that we had and my suggestion is like, do you like do you need to create that distance because over time those arguments chip away at that connection and that respect. Can you just say, you know, I'm sorry for my part in it. It looks like we just disagree.
0: Right, right. And I I, I think that this happens a lot of the context of parenting styles uh, with um, not, not only when and where and how to argue and, you know, the exhaustion of parenting, uh, getting involved. I think the most common argument that I see between parents is the difference in parenting styles, specifically the difference that sets one up for failure. Uh, the, the, one, the, the one where you have a parent that tends to enable a behavior and a parent who sees that behavior and is really trying to hold a boundary on it. And instead of hold the boundary, a parent, uh, one parent may choose kind of the easy and or codependent way out and give the child what it is that the child wants. Mm-hmm. And that can be very corrosive in the child's development as well. when when you have parents that are obviously not completely on the same page you have the dad said no i'll ask mom or or you know and and that that creates distance in that parent parenting relationship because that happens time after time after time and then you have a parent that begins to resent that they are holding the line Uh but the child always wins
1: right yeah and kids who learn that they don't have to respect those boundaries you know that they can typically find a way around it which is a skill you know that's a skill for a child and yet we tend to kind of take that into adulthood and we have a very difficult time when people set boundaries or say no and we just haven't learned that skill and so that really is something to be able to to recognize that we're teaching our kids that skill by by being difficult you know quote unquote being difficult and holding a boundary You're teaching your child to learn how to do that as they move forward um you know and i i just worry about these kids who've been enabled and kind of not set boundaries around like what is that going to look like in a meeting you know 10 years from now when this kid is working at whatever his job is and he doesn't know how to respect boundaries and hear the word no and you know those kinds of things but but absolutely i think that that creates a lot of challenges in a relationship when, you, when we set up that good guy, bad guy kind of dynamic, you know, and whether there's kids involved or not, like whether it's finances, you know, like in our relationship, my husband kind of handles all the finances um, and there's definitely been times in the leaner times where he's had to say no, like you don't get to go do this fun thing or, or spend that money. Um, and I think that that can create a sense of distance and challenge when our partners have to hold boundaries for the good of us as a, as a team I think there's definitely been times where my partner's had to hold a boundary or I've had to say no, which I really hate doing as a codependent. Um, and it can that can be really difficult.
0: I, I think it can too. And, you know, I've, I've worked with so many couples where I just am sitting in front of them and I'm just going, God, I could have saved this marriage three years ago.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, I, I could have, I could have done something for them, but you can just see the hopelessness and the let's get this therapy thing over with so we can get a divorce and say, we tried this sort of thing. And so the, the question comes of, okay, well, then when, when is the right time for therapy? And it's really when you suspect that there might be a problem, not long after you're exhausted by the problem.
1: Well, and I think it's important to recognize patterns of behavior, right? So we can have problems. You know, I think you guys have problems. We have problems as long as we're able to resolve that. But, but if you take a step back and look at the pattern of behavior that's occurring, you know, is there a pattern of disrespect? Is there a pattern of, of just general unhappiness? Is there a pattern of misunderstanding, lack, just lack of communication skills? I think couples would be flabbergasted by going to just one or two kind of couples therapy sessions, not because we're in a crisis, but just because our communication's gotten off a little bit. Um, you know, just because you go to therapy doesn't mean that you, you don't have to wait until you're in crisis and you don't have to go forever. Um, you know, you can go to a couple of sessions and get, you know, I think it's small adjustments until we get to that crisis stage. Most of therapy, most of the work I do, and I'm guessing you too, it's such small adjustments. It's just little reflections. It's, it's being able to kind of hear and communicate with each other in a way where we hear and communicate with each other as opposed to just sticking with what I think is right or fair or my, my way. We can't do that in a relationship. It's not how it works.
0: Well, and the, the, it was a tough night when I came home and I talked to my wife about going to couples therapy.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It was an admission that I didn't think that things were completely right. And when I called the therapist and the therapist uh, found out what I do for a living, he just said, well, why? Why do you feel like you need therapy? And I just said, because I know the warning signs. And and really the you know, we we sat down for many months and we went through some things and it was really healing, really good. And it and it was, you know, long before the point at which we were in a super bad place. Yeah. I just knew that things didn't felt feel quite right. And so we got in and we got at the opportunity to really work these things out in a mutually respectful way before there was so much scar tissue that we were both just exhausted. And so, you know, if one person is lonely, if one person is feeling really left behind, it is really the more positive thing to, to actually have the conversation and go, you know, why don't we, why don't we go find out with a therapist whether we have a problem that's worth talking about because a good therapist should be able to go, you know, y'all are, y'all are pretty good. Y'all are pretty good. Or we probably ought to talk about a couple of these issues for a while. uh, And I I actually, you know, sit down and be open before there is a major problem with hurt that is just, you know, irreversible because that, that moment comes after time.
1: Right. Yeah. And I think, if you have found that you are sitting down and having the same conversation over and over again and, be, and not feeling heard by your partner, that that may be an indication that, it, that maybe it's time to get someone else involved. You know, that's again, one of the most wonderful things for me about being a therapist is how, how much perspective I can, I can gain by not being involved. You know, I'm out, of, I'm out of this person's life. I don't know their friends. I didn't grow up with them. And so I have a totally kind of fresh perspective and it lets me get a, more of a bird's eye view. Really, a lot of times the problem is just kind of the, the fusion with what's happening. It's difficult to see anything. You know, the thought goes through your mind. Our relationship is in trouble and we believe it. You know, it's, we don't recognize that it's just a thought. You know, I feel like my relationship's in trouble. Maybe there's something to be done about it. That's a totally different thought than my relationship is doomed. I feel like my relationship is doomed is much different and that allows us some space. And that's what a therapist is here to do is to recognize, well, it's just a feeling, you know, like probably it's not doomed, but what do we do about it? How do we help you guys communicate better and recognizing those patterns of behavior, which is just so hard to see after 20 some odd years or after five years, you know, it's hard to see those patterns when you're so immersed in it day to day.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it absolutely is. And I think, I think some of the warning signs are, are you enjoying yourself? Is, is it fun? Is there enjoyment involved? Do you have mutual interests that are still enjoyable? Do you spend time together and enjoy each other's company? The, these sorts of things. And can you have a conflict that actually resolves? Or does the resolution just, does it slowly die? And you just move on and don't talk about it. Because right. that's not resolution. That's moving the hell on. <laughs> and that's uh,
1: Wait, not please. as helpful. I'll point out though, I think it's okay to move on from some things. I don't sure. think that we have to argue or debate things out until we get a resolution. Very early in my relationship, I remember my boyfriend at the time turned to me and said, I think we're, I think we're making too much out of this. Like, I think we love, I mean, I'm a therapist. He is a teacher. We love to talk at some points we have to say like, do we still, and he said it, do we still need to talk about this or can we just be good? And sometimes the answer is yes. And sometimes it's healthy to allow for that, that space that we disagree, you know, the other night if I had just been able to hear the word okay come out of my husband's mouth, I came out kind of grumpy. I was having a tough day he checked in with me, what's going on? I said, well, there's this and this and this. And I said, look, I know these are my things. I'm not, this actually isn't your stuff, even though he was part of it, but it was really just my perception. I said, it's okay. Like I'm taking accountability for that. I'm just feeling kind of grumpy and tired. You know, I didn't get great sleep. I'll be okay. I'm going to let it go. And my husband said to me, okay. And my response was, is there something else we need to talk about?" At which point he gave me a point-by-point list about all those things I just shared that I told him that I was getting over and moving on from, and then it dissolved into an argument. Had I been able to just hear okay and sat with the fact that like, well, yeah, he doesn't really love that I'm grumpy. I don't love that I'm grumpy, but he's letting it go. I think it can be very difficult for us to give each other that distance that we don't have to battle everything out, that if your partner just says, okay, and I think this is particularly difficult for people, for folks like me who are codependent, I don't like sitting with the fact that maybe my partner isn't perfectly happy with me. Not that he ever said that, he just said, okay, right? Mm -hmm. So just allowing for that distance and allowing, allowing things to move on is a skill. I think it's a skill that we don't often really recognize in our relationships that it's okay to disagree, it's okay to not be super happy. Battling this out isn't gonna get us closer to that. Like, what is your goal? What is your goal as a team? Is it to be happy and healthy and supportive of one another and allow for some space and distance? Or is it to be like smacked together and, and right on the same exact page together all the time? You know, I think we've been given really unrealistic expectations of what a healthy relationship is, you know, like, I don't live across the hallway from my friends, Joey and Chandler, and they don't pop in for, you know, coffee in the morning or to take lasagna out of my fridge. That's not what my friendships look like. And I think that a lot of kind of the Hollywood version of what a romantic relationship looks like, a healthy one, is unrealistic. You know, we disagree on things. We don't always get along. I don't always agree with what he chooses to do. That's okay.
0: It is, it is. And I'm, 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 I'm so glad that we covered this this evening because there's so many different, uh, different ways that we kind of, unfortunately, unnecessarily manufacture distance between yeah. us. It's not something anybody means to do, but we have to have some kind of an ear to it, kind of a monitor on it, because it can get really out of hand real quick. It's not, oh. And it's not helpful. And our kids see it. And they, they know that it's happening. And so we need to monitor it and, and make sure that we're being respectful of, of, of the other and of ourselves. And so that we can develop the biggest weenus that we can possibly develop. Right, Carolyn?
1: Oh, that's the catchphrase, Jeremy. All it is right. the catchphrase. And, so and- <laughs> we are going to try to build the biggest weenus that we can. Giant. Um, so to wrap things up for today, again, folks, we're still looking for our number one fan. The first person, we are now available on iTunes, which I know for, for both of us was kind of like a weird, surreal moment to kind of see our podcast on iTunes. So that's really cool. Um, so the first person to leave a review uh, gets to be known here and out as our number one fan. You can also Forever. email us at ascentonlinecounseling@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Um, if you have any questions or any thoughts of, you know, like, is this normal? I think that that's a real great thing to bring to light because so many of us kind of keep that in the dark, these questions of like, is this normal, like distance? Is it normal that my husband comes home and needs a half an hour? I can't tell you the number of people who I've talked to are like, yeah, my husband's in the garage for like an hour when he gets home. That's pretty normal. Um, sometimes we need that distance. And we also, like you said, need to keep an ear to that of, of how does my partner feel connected, feel supported, where's the compromise in that, you know, like, how do I make sure can I give them five minutes when I walk in the door and then take an hour or kind of vice versa? Can I can they know for sure that once I'm done with my hour, then they get 20 minutes. So build that big old weenus out there, guys. And I guess we'll catch you on the flippy flip.
0: Absolutely. Thank you, everyone.
1: Bye.